Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On the front lines of Houston sports. Let's go! You're in the trenches with N.D. Kalu. N.D. Kalu. Welcome in. Happy Would You Rather Wednesday to everybody out there in Radio Land. I'm Indy Kalu. Here's Chris Gordy back in his regular seat. Big Sarge of Big Sarge Sports and Jacob Beck on the other side of the glass making it happen until 12 noon talking all things sports with a special emphasis on the number one sport in the history of sports American football. And we're also the most interactive show in the world. It's an actual fact. It's not an opinion. And we cannot do the show without you. So if you want to jump in, 713-212-5790 this holiday season, it would be a gift for me to have you in the trenches with us. We, we got a jam-packed show. So, hey, if you're going to get in, you better hurry up and get in. This is the show of the Shans. We're going to have Sean Jones jump in during the 1030 segment. And Sean Merriman, one of my favorite celebrations one of my favorite young defensive players didn't play as long as obviously he expected or he wanted to but he's gonna come into the trenches and talk about one the upcoming game against the chargers and let's be real not too many people care about that so we're also going to learn what he's doing with mma and former nfl players so i'm pumped about this show it's going to be fast paced get in where you fit in real quick i want to see if both of y'all appreciated, enjoyed, and think this can be long-term two games on Tuesday night as my former teams, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington football team, took the field, Eagles prevailing with a 27-17 win and the Rams beating the Seahawks 20-10. Before we start talking about the actual game, did you like, did you enjoy, do you think there could be a future in regards to two games on Tuesday in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, you could play NFL every night of the week and people would watch. The rate, the ratings support that argument. Uh, the only thing was yesterday, you had two games on and they were regionally broadcast. So for some reason, we got not the better game. Like we got Washington versus Philly. Uh, Ross was showing me the map yesterday of how it was split up and it was basically split down the middle of the country. Seattle Rams was all was airing basically all the whole West Coast and Mountain time zones. And Philly versus Washington was on in the central and eastern time zones, with the exception of Missouri got the Rams game because they still have Rams fans in St. Louis that, that followed the Rams to L.A. You know what's funny? I thought it was on both. I, I thought both games were on, but because I obviously have a special interest in Washington and Philly, I was watching the Philly game and seeing the highlights. I didn't realize like that, that, that even, for me, that's the game I wanted to watch. I just thought they were both the on. The only way you could have watched it is if you had uh, the Sunday ticket. Last night, which again, like in the NFL's defense, Roger Goodell's uh, defense, like, but had both those games aired when they were supposed to air, they would have aired on, you know, like on Sunday at noon or whatever, and you would have had the sun have to have the Sunday ticket to watch them anyway. So I get it. So it was actually good that they let Fox, you know, air both games regionally across the country, but it just goes to show it still is like, 
I don't know. So I have a friend who who talks about it all the time. He he lives in New Orleans. He tries to watch the Pelicans, but his TV provider that he has doesn't have air the games. And he's like, why do these leagues like? I understand having the carriage rights for certain networks and all this, mm-hmm. but like when you want to get your product out there more, why restrict how hard it is to right. get your product? When it's like when I got to go to a sports bar to watch a game, that seems inconvenient for me as a consumer. I watched the uh, uh, both games on last night, and I, I will say this: both games did not. Well, first of all, good morning, my bad, y'all. Uh, but both games did not impress me at all. The only the only thing that impressed me about either one of those games was getting a chance to watch Jalen Hurts. Anytime I get a chance to watch him play, I, I, I take advantage of that because I don't watch him often. So when he is on, and I and I have the opportunity to watch him, I will watch him. So and he probably won't uh, be around long. So get watch him while you can. We'll be around long where in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this guy is his star is rising. I mean, three touchdowns right last night. So uh, I'm just saying that I, I got passing. a chance. To, I got a chance to watch both of them, and then I got to go back to what you said on yesterday, Indy, about kind of being overwhelmed. I got overwhelmed because both games were on at the same time, and so I keep I kept switching back and forth, back and forth. Now, if they would have done it like they did on Monday and had one game come on before the other one instead of uh, playing them simultaneously, I would have been okay. But yesterday. I mean, last night it was just too, it was too overwhelming, just too much going on. And I mean, it was two bad games like that, that uh, Ram Seahawks game. I, I don't know what Russell Wilson was thinking by coming back to the Seahawks. He should have just forced his way out because they have a terrible team. And even if they'd had Tyler Lockett on last night, who was out with the health and safety uh, in health and safety protocol, it still wouldn't have been any different. They would have lost to the Rams. See, I don't get the, and I'm not saying it's wrong because an opinion can't be wrong or right, but the whole, it was a bad game. And and keep in mind, everyone has a different point of view. So when I'm watching the Eagles, Washington, memories of when I was there playing, so it meant a little more. So I'm not, uh, I I don't think that everyone's going to have the same feeling watching those games. But I was really watching because I said, okay, let me sit down and really study, evaluate Jalen Hurts. And I had mixed feelings. I feel like if he has the right play caller, the right offensive coordinator, the right head coach, the right tight end. You know, there has to be a lot of perfect uh, people. There have to be a lot of people in the perfect position, in the right position for him to have sustained success. Then he can have success. But is that what you really want out of a quarterback? He played well yesterday. Like, he's going to be in the league over a decade, whether it's as a backup, whether it's as a spot starter. Whether well, it's as a, a you know a, a Case Keenum type of career, when yeah. it's all said and done, I feel like that's where where he's going to be at, and good for him because when he's done, he's going to have about fifty stacks in the bank. But it it just seems so simplistic the play calling. Like I was watching that game, and it worked as the uh, Philadelphia Eagles beat the Washington Football Team twenty seven seventeen. And Jalen Hurts had a good game. I don't care if he scores a touchdown with his legs or his feet. I mean, excuse me, with his legs or his arm, because it's still six points. Like, yeah. I'm not of the belief if someone has three touchdowns, oh, well, he he ran three of them in and he didn't throw any. I was, well, being, I was being nitpicky. It's, but, still, uh, it's still 18 points. The, the point is he's, done. he's got 2,700 yards. It's tw- it's 24th in the league, 14 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He's average. He's, well, he's hold average. on, hold on. How many yards does he have? 2700. Okay, did you add the rushing yards, the 700 plus rushing yards? Let me go let over, me go tabulate. Yeah, and then you're over 3000. So, it's a different and and look, I may be guilty of what Chris is guilty of. I'm not used to seeing production that kind of way, so you tend to demean it, you tend to not respect it. He doesn't have 27 yards. He has 3300 yards when it's all said and done. He doesn't have nine touchdowns. You got to add his rushing touchdowns in there as well. So, that's production, but 
I was watching that game as a defensive player. And when you have a defensive coordinator like a Jim Johnson, may his beautiful soul rest in peace, it, it just feels like he's an easy guy to shut down. I, I, I hate to say it because I, I like him as a as a person, as a player, but it just feels like it was so simplistic. I was like, man, if I'm playing like when we play with Bobby Taylor, Troy Vincent, Jeremiah Trotter, we shut that down. Well, you got to look at it like this too, Indian. It's probably going to taste terrible in my mouth because I am not an Eagles fan. But I will say this. I have to give him uh, the reason why I give Jalen Hurts a pass is because of what he had. He's making the best on what he has. Like he has a really good running back, but he only has one wide receiver. So you got the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, on one side, which is going to give you the production. But then you got Jalen Rager on the other side. And so it goes back to, you know, and this probably going to, I hope this don't make you upset and make you come across the table at me. But like it's the same when y'all used to have James Thrash and all them like the like, Donovan McNabb didn't really have a wide, wide receivers until he got... Um, uh, Terrell Owens. Yes, him. Until he got him. And so, you know, he made do with what he had. Now, look at it the exact same way when you're looking at Jalen Hurts. I mean, they, they double-covered uh, Devontae Smith on last night. They couldn't stop the running game, though. Like, Washington could not stop the running game. But you give him a little bit more pieces, put more pieces around him as they go forward. I think that because you got to think about it. They were a bad team when they got him. Okay, I, I can respect that. I can respect what you're saying. And by the way, Jalen Hurts has 733 yards rushing and 10 rushing touchdowns. Like, put some respect on that. And I'm talking to myself. <laughs> like, I'm talking to myself as well. Because now we're talking to Chris, too. When, when I'm watching the game, I'm like, I just, Donovan McNabb. I, I just don't like the play call. It just seemed too simple. It just seemed very simple, but it was effective against one of the worst teams out there. Real quick, you need to put some respect on those Cougs out there. Who's house? Cougs house. Did you see Greg Ward? Talk about wide receivers? No. He's a nice piece. <laughs> Did you see that touchdown? So I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. That, Gre hey, Greg Ward is becoming a nice two or three two, wide receiver. Two catches, 28 yards. Yeah, so I was um, – How fact, many targets? Uh, <laughs> uh, he was – I'll look. Uh, two targets. Three. 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 Okay, well <laughs> – so you know, I four catches, fifty-eight yards on the season. You, you know, I oh live. really? That's it? <laughs> oh no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, he's been targeted seven times, four catches, fifty-eight yards, but three, for the season, three touchdowns. Ah, so see, he's making he's the productive. most of his opportunities. I, I live with a person who's a double graduate of the University of Houston, and as I was on the phone with actually one of uh, one of the diehard listeners to this show, all of a sudden all I see is that whatever they do, the little hand sign for the Cougars, they you know when they go yeah. eat them up, Cougs, mm -hmm. they still do that, right? Yeah. So whatever they do, I, all I see is a hand up in the air like that, and I was like, "What, Greg Ward?" I was like, "Who cares? Don't tell me about no Greg Ward. I don't care about him scoring no touchdown." Yeah, I stand corrected. I thought he was doing more. <laughs> so still, that's the respect hey, you want me to put. He's he's still on the roster. Well, let me say this: like I, as somebody who has Devontae Smith in fantasy, like I, I've been disappointed with with him this year. Like this is a guy you took tenth overall in the draft, and yeah, collectively on the season, fifty three catches, over seven hundred yards, four touchdowns. But like his last couple of weeks, and maybe it's what Sarge is talking about. Teams are keying in on him and taking him away. You know, his last three games, three catches, 40 yards, two catches, 15 yards, two catches, 22 yards. He's doing nothing. Like, this is a guy who's supposed to be the go-to go guy for, Jay, for Jalen Hurts and, and company, and he's just, he's kind of whatever. He's just there. Are you comparing that with Justin Jefferson, though? Because I think Justin Jefferson came into a better situation with the Minnesota Vikings than Devontae Smith did with the Eagles. Well, 
I guess, but like, were we really high on Kirk Cousins as a passer? Were we like, you more, more, Adam Thielen. more than Jalen Hurts and well, not this guy. He was selling him as the next. No, but now. as a passer, Kirk Cousins is a better. If I'm a receiver, if I'm a wide receiver, and I know we're up against it, we I would rather have for my own selfish reasons. Uh, Kirk Johnson is my quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Now, if I'm trying to win and build around a program, then I can see you arguing something different. But as a receiver, I want that more traditional pass. Did you just miss Kirk Cousins and Brad Johnson together? <laughs> what did I say, Kirk Johnson? Yeah. Did I? Okay, they are the same, Cousins. though. You are, Listen, I see where you're going, and you're right. <laughs> yes. Brad Johnson is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, so I'm going to say no. Quick timeout. He's a... He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. So is Trent Dilfer. Hey. Thank you. I wasn't going to say it, but thank you. But Kirk Joe Cousins Flacco, too, right? Hey. These are all, yes. Like, these are all Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Quick timeout. Speaking of wide receivers, you know what? The brothers, I'm about to get the brothers upset with me. They're going to try to take my black card, but you, you, can't, you can't have it. You'll die trying to take it. But I'm about to make the brothers mad at me when I talk about arguably the greatest wide receiver this season. Or maybe in the history of the NFL. Oh, in the trenches, only on Sports Talk 790. White boys, stand up! Welcome in, welcome back in the trenches, only on Sports Talk 790. This Would You Rather Wednesday. I am Indy Kalu. He is Chris Gordy, Big Sarge of Big Sarge Sports. Jacob Beck on the other side of the glass. You are you, and you're always welcome to get in the trenches. And the fact that I gave the tease stating the brothers would be mad at me when I show love to this particular player and what he has done this year. And people have called in and tweeted in and knew exactly who I was talking about. That shows how dominant he's been this year. That shows why you have to put some respect on this guy's name. And that shows why we should all be appreciative that he is knocking down stereotypes. Get this. Don't be mad at me. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Be mad at this stat. Be mad at the fact that he's accomplished this in only 14 games. We know this is a 17-game season, but in only 14 games, Cooper Cup has had more yards than Terrell Owens, Larry Fitzgerald, and, yes, the uh, great DeAndre Hopkins. Cooper Cup, after 14 games, has already accomplished more than what all of those Hall of Famers slash future Hall of Famers when you start talking about DeAndre Hopkins have done with multiple tries in their seasons. Bam. Cooper Cup, stand up. You might be the greatest to ever do it. Is this your mic drop moment? Oh, yeah. I, and mm-hmm. listen, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I like Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup, if you got him on your fantasy football team, you're always going to win. Don't, I don't, don't bring always. up fantasy football. I don't care Chris, about fantasy. Chris, am I lying? We're Is he about, not a fantasy I'm football stud? Football. We're talking about real football. Yeah, me too. I mean, they go hand in hand. No. If, if you're producing on the field, it means you're producing in fantasy. That's okay. right. He is a. I will say he's a fantasy football stud. But if you if you put Cooper Cup in front of me and Devontae Adams in front of me, who do you think I'm taking first? All I'm saying. Or Justin Jefferson. All I'm saying is Cooper Cup has done something in 14 games where those other slappies had 16 games to do it that they couldn't do. More yards than any of those guys. So right now, Mm -hmm. as he stands, 1,625 receiving yards. In a single season, that's 19th most in a single season. He has three games left. Now, granted, I'll say two games. He's getting an extra game because of you know the seventeen, but that is insanity. So let's just say over the next two weeks he gets another, I don't know what. Um, I mean, what's fair? 
in the next two hundred and two hundred. I'm gonna compare apples to apples. So let's say sixteen games. Yeah. So, so I'll give him another two hundred yards. Another two hundred yards. Mm-hmm. That would put him top five in the greatest single season all time as a receiver. So why aren't you respecting him, Big Sarge? I, I huh? didn't say I didn't respect him. Mm-hmm. I didn't say I didn't respect him. I'm just saying that if I'm, you know, you name some some really good names I named right the best. there. And I, I can't put him in there after one season. You got to do it over and over and over again. Like even when you you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins last, you're talking about a three-time All-Pro. Like three-time All-Pro. You're talking about a guy who did not drop a pass during a single season. And not only that, he made three-time All-Pro with the uh, only time he ever had a good quarterback was when Deshaun Watson got here. So, Well, I take it a step further. How, how much is this a shot at Jared Goff? How bad he will. I mean, the guy goes from golf to Matthew Stafford, suddenly has the greatest season of all time. Like, what happened? What would happen to this guy play with Aaron Rodgers? Right. Like, he'd be, he'd be breaking every record out there. So, here, here's the next three games they played the Vikings, the Ravens, and the 49ers. So, you think that Ravens have a terrible secondary? 49ers are pretty good. Um, and who was the other one? The Vikings. Vikings, they're, they're okay. So, yeah, he'll probably... You think he can get 2,000 yards? He has, what, 1,625 right now? Yeah, so here's the thing. Calvin Johnson has the greatest single season ever. 2012 in Detroit, 1,964 yards. Oh, he could beat that. He would need, what, 300? You know, it's interesting, same quarterback. <laughs> will be the guy <laughs> yeah, that's that, delivering the ball. Right. Maybe we should be talking more two. about Matthew Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Will he, I, I don't. I think you're going to have a down game. And now uh, uh, Sony Michelle, you, you know, he's starting to emerge. So I don't know if he'll have as many targets. But will he have it? I don't know. Does it matter? No. This is one of the greatest seasons we've seen from a wide receiver, whether we like it or not. Now, part of that was trying to make some, you know, ruffle the feathers with some guys, but I'm with you. If I'm starting a team right now and I'm redrafting wide receivers and I have a chance at Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, I'm taking Tyreek Hill. If I have a chance at Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, I'm taking Devontae Adams. But... I'm not going to name more than five or six guys over Cooper Cup. Well, and the reason why I say that that I feel that he could break Calvin Johnson's record is because you remember now, on the other side of them, they only have Van uh, Van Jefferson. Robert Woods is out for the season, so he is the primary target for Matt yeah, Stafford. I, I was going to bring it up. He's taking yeah. advantage of you know he was two just two three years ago he was in receiving core with Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, and he was the third option. And now it's he's the only option. But man. here's the thing, because the whole we always talk about asterisks. If he breaks it after 17 games, to me that's just a whole new category of records. But if he does it after 16, then then you start talking about it. Even with the sack record, if somebody bre- breaks, excuse me, Michael Strahan's single season sack record, but they need 17 games to do it, there absolutely needs to be an asterisk by it. I was going to say this too, Andy. Is this also an indictment if we're talking about uh, Cooper Cup and? Uh, Van Jefferson, I forgot that Odell Beckham Jr. was even on the team. Oh, he just yeah. got there. <laughs> he still. He still get, uh, Sony, how long did it take Sony Michelle to get comfortable? I, I, I think we have these expectations, especially with great talents and great players like Odell Beckham, uh, even Von Miller on the flip yeah. side. It, it took a while. I mean, the first couple of games, he didn't have a sack. Then he got COVID. I was like, oh, was this a bad move? Then yesterday, you saw him and Aaron Donald doing their thing. It it, it takes time to kind of well, get used to and get into the system. This was his fifth game, though, in a Rams jersey. Who? Odell. Yeah. And he had a breakout game last last mm-hmm. week against Arizona. He had seven or six catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. So, like, he looked pretty settled in. So for last night to be targeted three times, one catch, seven yards, 
No, that's that's hella disappointing. Uh, also, can, can we talk about the fact that the Rams got bailed out by another no call for pass interference? I don't know if you guys saw that. No, I did not go, see that. Go, I was watching the yeah, Redskins. Well, look, you can go you can go on Twitter and you can find the video of it. it it's pretty egregious. It, it is almost eerily similar to the to the Saints no call. It's a it's a little bit different, but the the Rams defender just he was he was in coverage, but he was he did not turn around to see to look for the ball and just ran in and basically tackled the receiver before the ball got there and there was no call. And there was a moment, momentum, momentum, like ending play there, at, and and it pretty much took all the hopes away from for for the Rams to lose. So it, it was, it was. I'm looking at it right now. He didn't tackle. He he made contact with him, but it, it's not as egregious as the. Did one he turn that, his head around? No. Uh, okay, because I know that uh, two times Anthony Brown that plays defensive back for the Dallas Cowboys have been called for that. Matter of fact, two weeks ago. When he made a great play, but they said, well, you didn't get your head around, so yeah. that's... They're, they're inconsistent that, with that in the NFL. Oh, um, you know, I love to do revisionist history, guys. I love to go back and look. 2017 NFL draft, uh, Cooper Cup went in the third round, pick number 69. Nice. Uh, 12, <laughs> 12 picks prior to that, Houston Texans selected one, Zach Cunningham, who they just let walk away for so, free. I don't put too much stock into things like that. Because if Cooper Cup was a Texan, would he still even one be a Texan, and would he would his talents, you know, have been uh, exposed like they are now? I I feel like a lot of guys have to be in the perfect position, perfect uh, team with the those surrounding them to actually show what they can do. Twenty seventeen, he said. Yeah. Well, they are. They had Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins then too, right? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah. Would have yeah. would have been nice. And it would have been a nice weapon. I mean, look, Zach Cunningham had some nice years here, but you just let him walk for nothing. Cooper Cup could have been the missing piece. That that playoff game against Kansas City, maybe Cooper Cup is the piece that keeps the the Texans scoring touchdowns on Kansas City. He probably City. would have been inactive that game. And the piece that was missing was on the other side and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Exactly. Oh, oh, wait, two, two picks before that. Alvin Kamara would have been nice Ouch. to have, too. Nice, nice. Quick timeout. We're going to catch up with Sean Jones on the other side. You definitely don't want to miss that. In the trenches, only on Sports Talk 790. I make big money. I drive big cars. Everybody know me. It's like I'm a movie star, but late at night, something ain't right. I feel I'm being tailed by the same sucker's headlights. Welcome in, welcome back. This man needs no introduction. One of the best to do it on the field. And he also knows a thing or two about putting a team together. That's why we are lucky enough to get Sean Jones in the trenches once a week, especially with the things going on with your Houston Texans. Sean, what's going on? It's Indy, Chris, and Big Sarge. How are you, brother? 
I'm doing well, man. Merry Christmas. If I don't get to say that to you guys before uh, you know the uh, the day on Saturday, and I hope you guys are having a great holiday season, Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and everything else that's involved. Right back at you. All right, let's get right into it. The Texans. I don't know if you know this or not. They're not going to the playoffs. They've been eliminated. Only a few games. Mathematically? Yes, they have. Yeah, surprisingly enough. Oh wow. <laughs> so moves <laughs> need to be made. What's a realistic move? What would be the first realistic move you would make with the Texans this offseason? Uh, two things. One should have already been happening, which is that Nick should have been evaluating the team, obviously, and himself. He's got to really look at himself as to the moves that he's made and and um, are they consistent with what he wanted to do when the season started. The second and probably most important thing that I would do this offseason, or he should be doing this offseason, is to get some clarity as to the Sean Watson situation. I would get all this. They've got analytics people in the building. They've got to find analytics people with regard to what he's actually facing, what it really means, what time, if anything, is it criminal, is it just civil, all these things that they should have been talking about already, but they have to get clarity because so much of what they are and what they're going to become is is dependent on what happens with Deshaun Watson, if they can move him, how they can move him for and so on and so forth. And that's why I thought it was so important that he played this year. He's kind of like what's going on with John Wall and the Rockets, right? You've got an asset that's a $40 million asset that's not playing, and that doesn't make any sense. You can't trade him because at the end of the day, you know, early in the season, people were going off of what he did a season ago, which was a great season. Now you go an entire year without playing football. We don't know who you are and what you are and what you can do. We're hoping that you can get it back. And you know, Indy, being off as a football player for, for a whole year, it's difficult. So what's your value? So he's really got his got to get his hands on what exactly the the Deshaun Watson situation is going to be and how it's going to play out. Sean, a big topic that that made the rounds yesterday in Houston uh, as David Colley was talking with the media, he revealed that you know he's got GM Nick Casario's on a headset during games and helping them uh, helping with decisions and telling him what to do. And I think a lot of us were taken aback because. It, that's not normal. I mean, it's not. We're not accustomed to hearing that GMs in the league are on a headset telling the coach what to do in game. In, in your opinion, is that abnormal? Is that something you've seen before? And should your GM be wearing a headset sharing feedback in game? Um, well, I can't say I've never heard it before because Al has been. When I worked for Mister Davis, he he was notorious for you know making sure that if there wasn't a, a forty yard pass in the playbook, that one went off every <laughs> quarter. I mean, so. He was notorious for that. But I will say this. I don't think Nick has the pelt to, to, to be doing that. And I think he, you know, I, I, I think the very fact that David allows that to happen, that's a problem. Far too often, you know, because there are only 32 of these jobs in a league, when you get an opportunity to take the job, you take it at any, you know, with any conditions in, in, involved. And I don't think as a head coach, I want my GM telling me what plays I want to call, so on and so forth. And I think it's an overreach because I've never known, I know Nick played at like Division Four, and um, in, in college. And I'm, I'm sure he fancied himself as a pretty damn good football player, but I didn't, I've never known Nick Sarabi a, a, uh, you know, football genius. And I don't know if I want my GM that involved. And again, if he is that involved, who are you going to fire? You know, see, we keep coming back to this. And I think we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago when they were talking about, you know, we want David Culley's head and so on and so forth. Who hired him? And if now you're a part of the game plan, how do you fire him? 
<laughs> I don't know how you do it. Sean, if you were the GM of the Houston Texans, where does the rebuild start? Like, does the rebuild start with getting a new head coach? Does the rebuild start with, you know, trying to go out and either draft or get the right players in here in, during free agency? Like, where does it start? I think the head coach is Alicia Warriors right now, and I know I'm in the minority. People want David Culley's head. I mean, because he's got some Jack Party tendencies to him, you know, where people don't believe that he's actually a coach. He's just a figurehead. He's just a guy that walks around with no headset on on game day. But you've got bigger problems. You've got bigger fish to fry. You've got so many other issues that are roster-related that you really have to deal with that first. So I, I, before I started jettisoning coaches, I would make sure I had the right players in the building because, you know, coaches are going to coach what players that they have. You don't have good players. I don't give a damn who your coach is. You can't coach. As much as people want to believe, you know, look at last year with what happened in New England. You know, everyone talks about uh, the head coach in New England being the greatest head coach of all time. But, you know, you become pretty regular when you don't have players and then when you don't have a quarterback like Tom Brady. And I'm not saying they don't go hand in hand sometimes, but give me players over coaches every day, all day. And so until you get the right players in the building, it's pretty hard to assess how good my coaches can be. We watched the Philadelphia-Washington game yesterday, and I I didn't want to put you on the spot because I don't know if you watched it, but with Jalen Hurts, it's tough to assess. And one minute I feel like, me personally, you know what? You could build around this guy. Next minute, uh, he's good, but he's not going to get you where you need to be. Well, what are your just general overall thoughts on Jalen Hurts? You can build around Jalen Hurts. Okay. You can definitely build around him. Almost 300 yards passing yesterday. The problem, not the problem, the good thing about Jalen Hurts, and I think, again, we discussed this early in the, in the year, I just want to see productivity from that position. If you give me 150 yards rushing and 150 yards passing, it's a 300-yard day for my quarterback. And see, that's what people try to undermine when they talk about a kid like Jalen Hurts. But like any other young quarterback, and this goes for Davis Mills, too, and that's probably what hindered him a lot this this uh, season. If you don't have a first tier defense and a great running back, running back, running back slash running game as a young quarterback, you are hapless and hopeless. And so, what Jalen Hurts has, at the very least, is a running game. He has no receivers to think of, right? They've got a solid defense, and he's a quality young quarterback that can develop. And you see what happened when they had went. You know, what happened a week before when they had Gardner Minshew in, and they had to start throwing the ball down the field? I'm sure he said, "Coach, why don't you let me do that?" <laughs> you know. And so you saw in the game last last night they were able to throw the ball down the field more, and he was able to have more success in terms of passing yards. But I definitely believe Jalen Hurts is the kind of quarterback you could build around. I'm not saying that he's going to be the second coming of Warren Moon or Steve Young, but I know for a fact that with his abilities and his skill sets. I think that it's definitely a young quarterback you can build around. Sean, one, I need to know who your NFL MVP is. That's the first thing. And the second thing I need to know is I'm headed up to Green Bay this uh, Saturday on Christmas Day to watch the Packers take on the Browns. How much clothing do I need to wear? <laughs> first of all, that first call should have been to me about a couple of weeks ago. That I could have got you some inside seats. Wow. But... <laughs> That shit has sailed. So bundle up, brother. It's going to be layers upon layers upon layers. And since we're talking about you going up to Green Bay, that's your MVP. What you talking about, man? Aaron Rodgers is playing unconscious right now. And all he's got to do is get this team into the playoffs, and he should be an NFL MVP. Oh, that's right. They're already in the playoffs. <laughs> 
Good stuff, as always. And a matter of fact, I think Aaron Rodgers is separating himself as well. So we agree on that one. We'll see how it plays out. Have a very Merry Christmas. We appreciate the gift you continue to give us every single week, Sean. Same to you guys. Listen, have a blessed season. Really, really. And stay safe out there. All right, Sean Jones joining us for his weekly visit. Quick timeout. Martin and Angleton, we see you there. And a little Would You Rather Wednesday coming up next. You don't want to miss it. In the trenches, only on Sports Talk 790. Welcome in, welcome back in the trenches. Big shout out to Sean Jones for joining us during his weekly visits. 713-212-5790. Before we go to Would You Rather Wednesday, let's head out to Angleton and speak with Martin. Good morning, Martin. What you got? Hey, uh, I really like this show. Big Sarge and Chris, they add a whole lot. Chris is really great on uh, college football and all that great stuff. And it's a great show all the way around. But I want to talk to Big Sarge about something. You know, I think it was during the summertime he made this really ridiculous, in my opinion, this really ridiculous statement that Jadavian Clowney was way more productive than J.J. Watt. And anybody knows that that, that that is false. But but I think so. I think the reason why Big Sarge has picked this Big Sarge, I think it's it's a racial thing with with Big Sarge between Clowney and Watt. I want to know, Big Sarge, why do you and you, you have this hard on for J.J. Watt? Why? Is it because he's white? Uh, Martin, first of all, you totally misconstrued my words. I never said that Jadavion Clowney was more productive than J.J. Watt. I said he had more responsibility than J.J. Watt. I said that he was was better than J.J. Watt. I did not say, no, I did not say that. That is, I've never, I've never, go back and listen to the podcast. They're available online. But I never said that. I, I said that he had more responsibility as far as dropping in the coverage, holding uh, wide receivers out of the backfield, playing in the in the flats, where J.J., all J.J. had to do was rush up the field and go straight towards the quarterback. He never played in the system. J.J. Watt never played in the system. Jadavion Clowney played within the system. So that's what I said. The second thing is I could care less about the the, the color of uh, uh, the ethnic makeup of a, of a player. It, I just look at players for players, and that's how I evaluate them. I don't care if they're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, it doesn't matter to me. That's how I look at them. So you're saying when you were in Afghanistan fighting for this country, you weren't just fighting for the black population, you were fighting for Martin as well? I was fighting for everybody. Oh, yeah. okay. Right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, guess what? Everybody's blood is red. Okay. No, I just wanted to throw that out there for Martin. He thought, like, <laughs> yeah. When you went to go fight for the country and yeah. dodge bullets, you was only you were look, you got me talking uh you got me a little too comfortable. You were only doing it for but anyway, um, you know what? You you made a ridiculous statement, but I don't think you ever said Clowney was better than JJ. I, I've listen. I've never said that. I never said that. I never said that Clowney was better than Watt. What I said was that Watt can't do what Clowney does. Watt can't drop in the coverage. Watt can't go into the flats. Watt Watt can't do the things that they had Jadavion doing when he was here with the Texans. I'll say this. Can Watt drop in coverage and drop into a certain area? Yes, he can. To stand there. He's a great athlete. He he can do what Jadavion Clowney was asked to do, but for whatever reason, they were smart enough not to have J.J. Watt dropping in coverage. He was going after the quarterback every single chance he he, he could. With Jadavion, 
And, and we talked about it. I mean, this was years ago, but when Greg and I did the show together, we were like, why in the world is he dropping to the flat? Like, we even yeah. asked the same question with Whitney Merciless. Like, why not have Whitney Merciless, Jadavion Clowney, J.J. Watt going after the quarterback every chance that they get? Like, I know there are zone blitz where D. Lyman has to drop, but it shouldn't be those guys. So, yeah, I, I don't think you've ever there, – there's no way – and some people – Sean Jones, Greg Cook, feel like I give J.J. Watt too much credit. Yeah. But there's no way I would have you sit in that chair and no. say Jadavion Clowney if, was better than J.J. Watt. If we had Watt. made a bet, though, before the season, who would have more sacks at the end of the year, J.J. Watt or, or uh, Jadavion Clowney? Oh, Watt. I probably would have bet on Watt. Yeah. Uh, granted, J.J. played in seven games. Clowney's played in 12. So Clowney's got five more games on him. But on the season stats, J.J. Watt, one sack. Jadavion Clowney, five. I would have lost that bet. Now, will we put the injury caveat in there? I don't know. But if J.J. Watt add five more games to his thing, he still isn't at five sacks, I don't think. And here's the thing that I have, the, the issue that I have, too, with, with, with some people. So now that J.J. doesn't play with uh, play against the play with the Texans, excuse me, now he plays with Arizona. Now everybody goes, well, his responsibilities are different there. He's going to have a different – there's going to be different things he's going to be required to do. Well, you don't think that Jadavion has those same type of responsibilities when he's on another team? You don't think that Miles Garrett on one side and Jadavion – Jadavion just ain't rushing the quarterback still. They use – he has a – listen, and I get it. He got famous off of one good hit. But if you look at Jadavion Clowney, he's a – really good athlete and i can't knock the texans for using his athletic ability on the defensive side of the ball to be able to do what he did but when we start comparing and i'm not saying you per se chris but we just say well he didn't have this many sacks yeah because he didn't have that many rush attempts like jj okay on the flip side though because i two things can be true I yeah. do believe J.J. Watt can drop in coverage and can do everything. JJ, look, J.J. Watt's not just a high-motor guy. <laughs> He's a phenomenal athlete. He's like a great athlete. When you're 6'6", 290, and you're jumping on a 60-inch platform without taking a step, like you're a little bit special. Like There's a little bit of difference there. So my point is, could he do it? Yes. Luckily for him, he wasn't asked to do it. But when you look at what Jadavion Clowney was asked to do, I'll say this. If he was given every opportunity to do what J.J. Watt was able to do, I don't think he would have the same numbers as J.J. Watt. D- didn't J- didn't he make all pro when J.J. Watt wasn't in, in when J.J. Watt went out? Hurt? No, J- Jadavion Clowney's a, f- a, a freak athlete. He's been injured. He hasn't been consistent. He still hasn't had a double-digit sack season. Michael Parsons is doing everything Jadavion Clowney was asked to do, but he still has 11 sacks. So let's keep right. it real. So, But if you ask Jadavion Clowney to do what J.J. Watt was done, he will probably have a better career, but there's no way he's, uh, in my opinion, putting up 20 sacks in a season or 17 sacks. He doesn't have that four-year run that J.J. Watt had. Yeah, let me just throw this out. Jadavion Clowney, in his last 33 career games played over his last three seasons, He's got eight combined sacks. I just, like, two two things could be said. He has been a good NFL player, but he's not lived up to the the hype, the expectations of what we thought he could be. When Texans took him number one, number one, you thought, you know, like, there was talk, Reggie White, look out. Like, this guy could be the next monster thing. And, yeah, it's not all about sacks, but still playing that position. When he's still listed as a true defensive end, he's not – outside linebacker being asked to drop a lot in coverage. He is being asked, especially in Cleveland where he is, to play that edge, get after the quarterback. And from that aspect, I would say, yeah, he is disappointed a little bit. 
713-212-5790. Mark, what you got, Mark? Uh, yeah, so uh, I was uh, just listening to what Big Sarge was saying about how um, he didn't care what J.J. Watt looked like or whatever, and I just wanted to ask uh, all, three, all of you guys about earlier, you guys were talking about Cooper Cup, and you said that if you had to pick a team right now that you would pick Cooper Cup way behind all of these other players you mentioned, but my question to you is why would you pick Cooper Cup behind all of these other players. What's what is it about him, even though he's the leading receiver in the league, he's the you know, he's probably gonna be the all pro this year and everything. Why would he be behind the other guys that you were talking about, the Jefferson guy and those what what was your reason for putting him behind them? Very good question. So like when I brought up the fact that Cooper Cup has has done something that DeAndre Hopkins hasn't done Andre Johnson, Terrell Owens, Larry Fitzgerald with the production that he's had after only 14 games. So when I was bringing that up and saying, hey, this is a special player, but I would still take Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and maybe Justin Jefferson. So I stopped at three players over him. So one reason, just because you have the best stats doesn't mean you're the best player. We, we've seen that time and time again. And the other reason, those other guys, especially Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson still young in the game. I feel like they have a special talent that they don't have to be in a certain system to excel. With Cooper Cup, it, this year, he's having a year that he's never had before. He's having a year that isn't consistent with the history that he's had in the NFL. With Cooper Cup, the sense with his route running, with his uh, targets, how many times he's been targeted, not only does he have the most receptions in the NFL, Mark, he's also been targeted more than any other wide receiver in the NFL. I feel like he has to be in a certain system to excel like this, where those other guys would excel like this, regardless of what system they're in. Yeah, and that's fair. That's fair. I can I can take that. But when you first started talking about him, mm -hmm. you, when you brought it up, you said, "I'm going to talk about something that's going to have all the brothers upset." With oh, me. I was just being silly and when, there. And Mark. when you said that, what what was the reason for uh, mentioning the fact that the brothers I, would be upset with you for bringing this up? That, I was just being silly when I said that, Mark. Okay. Well, I, I, the like, point I was pointing like, to well, Cooper was Cup is earlier. white. Cooper Cup is white. And typically, wide receivers that have this kind of success in the history of the NFL have been black. So I said, by the fact that I'm going to bring up that Cooper Cup has done something that all these other receivers haven't done, like it was more like uh, locker room talk. You've been in a locker room before, whether it's high school, college, whatever, barbershop talk. Like it was, that was more like, hey, let's have some fun with this. Because typically, when we talk race, it's real serious. Yeah, yeah, and but that was a point that the other guy was calling in. I don't think he 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 expressed himself correctly in saying that the the problem that you were saying JJ Watt didn't do this and 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 uh, Jadavion did this or whatever. Uh, there is a stereotype that goes oh, absolutely. with white players in the NFL. One hundred percent. To say that and to say that I don't see their skin color is just false. It's just one hundred percent false. It's, it's not and, false. And, it, you know, it, it, you see the skin color. There's no doubt about it. No, he's right. <laughs> but, this, it, you're, no, I actually agree with Mark Big Sarge on that. Like, you see the skin color. Like, the reason this Cooper Cup is such a phenomenon is because we're not used to seeing white receivers dominate like this. The reason Christian McCaffrey is such a phenomenon is because we're not used to seeing uh, white running backs excel. The, the, the reason Jason Seahorn is still talked about today because we're not used. So you see it now for whether or not it affects 
uh, how much you like a player or respect a player, then that determines what type of person you are. But all this, oh, I don't see color. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Now when it, so we, we, we were specifically talking about defensive players, right? Mm-hmm. Are you telling me I've never seen a white defensive end like J.J. Watt? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, no, there's a whole bunch of them. They dominate. The so, so that's why I've never seen a white defensive player dominate on the front seven. No, but the whole yeah. I don't see color that, that people try to say well, that's, is why, like, that's ridiculous. I try to. I mean, I I do think from a certain point in, in a in a league like the NFL, talent supersedes everything. If you can play, you can play. Now there are some circumstances, and and it's the whole reason the Rooney Rule was invented. There are some instances where I think there's owners, white owners, that have been like, you know what. I just would rather have a white head coach than right. a black head coach. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of these owners and a lot of these teams, it's all about dollar signs. It's all about success and wins on the field. Who can help me win? And if I was a talented receiver and he's white, black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, I'm drafting it. Like I think to a certain point, the talent supersedes whatever stereotype you might have in the back of your mind that, like, if you're good and you can play, you're going to play in this league. And I've seen Cooper Cup before. His name is Adam Thielen. So I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not – we were specifically talking about the defensive players. I'm like, yo, I've seen domin- dominant white NFL uh, front seven players before. So, no. Like, C- Christian McCaffrey, of course, everybody sees that. There hasn't been – of course, everybody sees that. There hasn't been a, a, a white running back like him in a very, very long time. So, Since yes. Toby Gerhardt, my guy out of Stanford. No quick way. Time out, quick time out. We'll get back Tommy to Tommy Vardale. In the trenches, only on Sports Talk 790. You're in the trenches. Stand up. Get your hands up. With N.D. Kalu. N.D. Kalu. Welcome in, welcome back. One hour down, one hour to go here in the trenches. If you want to jump in, 713-212-5790. Talking a little Cooper Cup and the production he's having this year. Real quick, quick answer, mm-hmm. yes or no? If the Rams finish with the best record in the NFC, and it's still possible, the Packers could fall back a game. Mm-hmm. There's like a five-way tie for second place in the NFC right now. If the Rams finish with the best record in the NFC, so should Cooper Cup get some NFL M- NFL MVP consideration? Oh, absolutely. You should have asked the question, should he win it? But consideration, you absolutely have to give him consideration. Over his quarterback? Because his quarterback going to get some consideration. Yeah. No, I'm saying you're using the word consideration, but should he win it? I'll say no. Because I feel like if you have another – if you take Cooper Cup off that team – I still think with Matthew Stafford, they make it to the playoffs. Did you put him? Would you put him over Jonathan Taylor, running back out of for the Indianapolis Colts? No, because Colts? when when you talk about MVP, most so keep in mind with what I just said. If Cooper Cup isn't on that team, but the mm-hmm. season Matthew Stafford is having, another ancillary wide receivers their their stats go up, and yeah. the Rams still make the playoffs. Jonathan Taylor, he's carrying the Colts right now. Yeah. The, the, I mean, there is a game. Where the Colts, I forgot who they just beat, but Carson Wentz through the Patriots. For, the Patriots. 
Carson Wentz threw for 87 yards. Like, and they won the game because Jonathan Taylor ran for over 170 yards. So mm-hmm. he's carrying his team. I think Cooper Cup is having a historically great season stat wise, but I still think without Cooper Cup, the, um, the Rams make the playoffs. So, no. So, it, but it's Aaron Rodgers. When it's all said and done, I think it's Aaron Rodgers. Let's year. see what he does though, over these next three weeks because, man, it'd be really interesting if he's able to set the single season all time. I mean, with the, with the 17th game, it's going to make it way more easier for him to do. But if Cooper Cup sets the single season receiving record this year in a single season, you know, like. But again, are we talking after 17 games or 16? Like to me, that's that's not something that can just be. Oh, oh, well, I'm just talking about whatever chance they had to play. Like there has to be that. But it's the thing. new norm. I mean, this is we're going to be playing 17 games from here on out. It's not like this is just a one year thing. No, I get so. you. Well, to me, when it comes to records, there needs to be that little black line. <laughs> you know, when they started going to 17 games, just, just but like they didn't OJ. do that back in the day, like, right? OJ ran for 2,000 yards, and we always have to remind ourselves there were only 14, 14 games right. back then. Like. To me, that makes it more special than any other rushing stat that we've seen out there. So, yeah, if I'm Jerry Rice or whoever it may be, and Cooper Cup breaks my record and he breaks it in the 17th game, I'm like, he didn't break my record. He set a new record. Write that down, um, Jacob. He didn't break my record. He set a new record. That, why would you write that down? Because that that was good. That was not that good. Was a great point. Really? Mm-hmm. I think that that's one of your lesser ones. Um, Worse. Wanted to bring up, I know we, we talked about this a little bit the last couple of days, but David Culley and uh, Nick Casario being on the microphone, there was a video making the rounds, and I just wanted to play a little bit for you. This is Bill Belichick. I think this this NFL films, Bill Belichick, when Nick Casario is still in the building, it's Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick bragging about how vital Nick Casario is to their group and having him with a headset on during games. Here's a little bit of that audio. Toughness is a trait Bill Belichick reveres. He also values versatility. No Patriot staff member wears more hats than Nick Casario. I don't think there's another general manager in the league that would do anything that would even approach what he does comprehensively. In addition to all the personnel duties, he's there for game plan meetings, preparation, practice, game day, Nick spends a lot of time digesting our information offensively, defensively, the game plan, the opponent. Nick's background has been in coaching uh, as well as scouting. So he has a very good understanding of our offensive system, how we try to utilize our personnel on game days. uh, He identifies the personnel, substitution, um, and coverage. All right, second and nine. Very second and eight, right hand. Tampa, for Tampa. I'm looking at what the other team is doing and trying to give Josh the information so that he can make a quick decision about what he wants to call, what personnel he wants to put in the game. Maybe the game plan is shifted, so we have to come up with another idea or concept. You have to be able to react and then be able to disseminate that information quickly so that he can make a good decision. That play's been a good play for us. You can always hate it, too, to give him a different look. Yeah, yeah. It's a great thing to have somebody like that in the booth that you trust and that knows what you want from them in terms of the communication. Nick does a tremendous job for us. Works hard, he's got a great capacity, and has a, has a very unique skill set. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, really valuable. After hearing that, I have to kind of take a step back myself because, you know, we've become so... Okay, if you're the GM, you belong in the suite. Okay, you, step back in regards to what, though? My opinion on Nick Casario. 
Okay. Because I have to ask the question, are we not giving him enough credit for his background? And obviously, hearing those guys in New England brag about how vitally important he was to their success, and even Bill Belichick saying, this is a guy who's a coach. He coached for a little bit and now has come into the front office. So he has that trait. So when you see him on the practice field throwing the football with the guys, that's not a jock-sniffing GM. This is a guy who's been through, like he's risen through the ranks, and he's had some experience as a coach. He's had some experience with those guys, so maybe he knows a thing or two about what he's talking well, about. Well, first of all, he I think most people who follow this understand that he was highly sought after, not just by the Texans. And now we heard about him more because we're here in Houston. And also keep in mind, that was a highlight reel. That was a highlight reel for Nick Casario. Right. You you can go, I'm not even trying to be funny, like you can go grab a, a average NFL player, put together a highlight reel, and he would look like a Hall of Famer. Like you can literally do that. That but does that sounds, guy have six rings on his in his trophy case? What does that mean? Nick Casario has six Super Bowl rings. What the heck? So does their janitor. Like, literally. <laughs> and I'm trying to give Nick Casario props. Like, so, so does the janitor manager and the equipment manager who was there along for the Tom Brady ride also has six uh, equipment rings. No, I'm about to give uh, give Nick Casario his due. Like, when you, when you hear that, that should make the Houston Texan fan excited that they're in the right that the team's in the right hands in Nick Casario. Like there's no way you could judge Nick Casario in two or three years. He need like I'm telling you he needs more than that. But that was just a highlight reel of Nick Casario and I, I don't give a damn what anyone says. A general manager should not be talking to the coach during the game. game. Even if they had set success. When he was there, when he was on the headsets with New England, he was not the general manager. Right. I don't care what the title was. I don't care what his little business card said. We all know who's the general manager for the New England Patriots is Bill Belichick. So if I'm a Houston Texan fan, I'm hearing that and I'm I'm excited. Like, okay, this guy knows every facet uh, when it comes to football. But now that he's been appointed to be a real general manager, I don't want him on the headphones during the game telling Coach Cully to go for it. Like, I just... I don't want that makes me uncomfortable. If it works, then it works. And and I guess what I I guess what I'm confused about is if he was so great, why did they let him get away? Like now, I know you, the first year they blocked. No, what I'm asking is don't like That's like saying if this offensive coordinator is so great, why did they let him become a head coach somewhere else? Well, well, so he could shine as a general manager. So what I'm saying is if Bill has both titles, couldn't Bill relinquish that one and give it to him? Couldn't couldn't he become the general manager of that of that franchise? That's all I'm asking. Who? Nick Casario. Well, but if he's they won him, with Bill Belichick as the head coach slash general manager. They're winning Super Bowl. So why would he relinquish that position? So now I'm confused again because now people are saying that they were winning because Nick Casario was doing this, that, and other as well. I mean, Chris just said he got six Super Bowl rings as part of that conglomerate. If Nick Casario was not on that staff, they would still have six Super Bowl rings. Thank you. That's that's that that that's what I was trying to say. We don't know as that, well. but that doesn't mean. He's, he hasn't been prepared to be a general. Like, I, I get what you're saying, but I think that's a little too simplistic because he's leaving to to get a better job. Like, Bill Belichick probably said, and I don't know what was said, but Bill Belichick probably said, hey, man, you're ready to go. Go go fly, young buck. Go do your thing. Well, they also showed him the money. They made him one of the highest paid GMs it, in Exactly. The but Bill Belichick isn't going to be like, 
Look, that guy probably has one of the biggest egos in the NFL, yeah. as he should with the success. But he's not going to say, hey, I like you so much. I want you to take over my job responsibility. So here's my thing, right? And, and I can't judge I can't judge Nick Casario based off of just this year. I need to see more, right? And so I'm not going to say he's great. I'm not going to say he's terrible. I just need to see more. But I'm with you on it, Indy. I don't need to hear that he's in the booth helping decide what to do on third and seven. I I, I don't need to hear that because if that's the case, then the people that you hired, right? Because you hired Coach Cully and you made sure that you put the staff around him. He didn't even have a chance to pick his own staff. So you put him around him so you don't have trust in them. It's looking more and more that they hired Coach Cully. And look, I know a lot of people are going to be like, you dumbass, it took you 16 weeks to get to this point. (laughs) It's looking more and more like they hired him to fire him so they can hire who they truly want when they have the players on the roster that they want. I I keep thinking more and more, and again, it was a storyline at the time, but that moment where they were like, oh, Deshaun, you know, Deshaun's on the outs, Mm -hmm. but Deshaun really liked Cully that time at that Pro Bowl. I think they were trying, and and remember there were hints that, you know, there was the push for African-American coaches, and Deshaun's camp was like, yeah, we want to see more of that. We'd like you to interview Eric Bieniemy. They went, well, we can't control you. We can't control Bieniemy, but we control this guy. Right. Let's go get David Culley. Hey, remember that time Deshaun? He worked with you that one time at the Pro Bowl. You said what, what a great guy he was. You want to go play for him? Deshaun went, well, I've met the guy for like two days. Like, <laughs> hey, you know, I don't want to go play for him. And by the way, I'm still mad at you. I don't want to play for you guys. Quick timeout if you want to jump in. 713-212-5790 in the trenches. Only on Sports Talk 790. Okay, Lil Soul with the Christmas music. I see you there. Quick timeout. After this segment, we're going to go straight to the phone calls. We're going to catch up with Sean Merriman, so I want to make sure everybody that's in the trenches, they have a chance to get their voice heard. Let's head out to Stafford and talk to Larry. What's up, Larry Lair? Hey, um, Indy, it took your dumb ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it did. (laughs) Hey, man, we we knew they hired Cully to fire him, man. But, again, it's not just on Cully, man, but, uh, you know, because – I'm with y'all, man. It's just something that it, it, it's just something we're not used to. It's a, it's a new way. It's TikTok. It's all this other kind of stuff that they want us all to get used to that just don't make no sense. Because if, if you're a head coach, you're supposed to be competent enough to know everything about your team and how to be able to make a call on fourth down without somebody telling you, hey, 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 Cully. You 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 may want to go for it right there, right right there. That, I think that's a good. No man, Cully should have enough spine to say, you know what? Hey, uh, Tim Kelly, call this play, man. I don't need Nick to tell me what to do, but that's just what Cully's makeup is, man. But uh, you know, it it it, it 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 is what it is. But I want to talk about something else about uh, Nick Casario. Y'all were just playing that uh, Bill Belichick, uh, uh, you know, video about what him and Josh McDaniel said about uh, Casario, right? Correct. And when and, and when we listen to that, and we hear Bill Belichick lie talking about Nick Casario as a GM, we know that he wasn't a GM doing that run, man. Because everything that goes on in New England goes through uh, uh, Belichick. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Y'all remember when y'all was little boys, man, and y'all mamas and uh, uncles and aunts and dads told y'all, hey, man, y'all better not hang out with that boy. Y'all know he breaking in Miss Thelma in them house, and he's going to get your ass in trouble. You remember when they used to tell us that? Mm-hmm. Nick Casario still got Jack Easterby over there. That's why we can't give him the benefit of the doubt. If Nick Casario had to come to Houston under his own regards 
If Jack Easterby ass had been shown out the door with Bill O'Brien, it would be a completely different evaluation that we could give Casario. Because I associate him with the, the, the turmoil that's going over there on Kirby because I still believe that when they didn't get him back in 2019 when they tried to get him the first time, he was still playing a role here in Houston and playing a role up there in New England. Now, I don't have nothing to say that I can physically prove that, but I just know the makeup of those kind of slime balls with Jack used to be. So if Nick Casario had – Cal McMahon had to say to the Texans fans, you know what, we're going to hire Nick Casario after this exhaustive search. We, we, we like what he does. We're bringing him in and here hire a head coach that doesn't have to be told what to do in the headphones then we would have we been accepting of that as Texas fans. Last thing before I let y'all go, fellas, we've seen Con- we've seen Cooper Cup before. Uh, Ed McCaffrey, we've seen Jordy Nelson, we've seen Mike Renfro. We have seen a whole bunch of other white wide receivers, man. And it's okay not to say that, you, you know, you don't see color, but obviously you see color when they take their damn helmet off. He's having a special year, but it's an anomaly. And that's what happens, man, because all the other brothers over there catching passes at wide receivers like T.O., Jerry Rice, Kenny Burroughs, and all them boys and all house. Oh, hold on. You know why that last part of your statement isn't fair or isn't true? You mentioned a bunch of very good fo- uh, football players who happen to be white. Then you also mm-hmm. mentioned some Hall of Fame brothers that play the same position. Right now, mm-hmm. Cooper Cup is doing something that none of those guys have ever done. So you, you you can't just bunch him in with Ed McCaffrey, Steve Largent, and whoever else you threw there. Because even when you throw in the names of Andre Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, Terrell Owens, Larry Fitzgerald, right mm-hmm. now Cooper Cup is doing something that none of those guys have done. And Andy, see what you just said right there is the exact same thing they were saying about Julian Elderman last year or the year before. We've never seen him do anything like that. And, that, and, that's, and that's fine. But you cannot – these guys, it has to be over a long period of time. Everybody has a breakout season. Hell, like you just said, the Juice ran for 2,000 yards. And then, didn't Chris Johnson run for 2,000 yards for the Titans too? Yep, yep. It happened. It, I mean, these kind of anomalies happen. I'm not taking nothing away from uh, Cooper Cup because I like the dude a lot, to be actually, to be honest with you. Like, I, I like Thielen up in Minnesota. But I'm just saying, if you're going to tell me that I got a choice between Devontae Adams and C- Cooper Cup, man, give me some of that dark chocolate and I'll holler. All right. And you wonder why you're called a racist. Welcome, man. <laughs> Welcome back. Let's go out to Mo City and talk to Lamont. What's up, Lamont? Hey, man, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to try to defend Casario and uh, uh, Cully on this one, uh, uh, on the whole headphone stuff. Uh, you know, I'm jaded, man. Uh, I, I, I love to, you know, talk down on the, uh, talk down on the Texans. Uh, they must score it. They must score it. But when I see some stuff messed up, you know, I give it to them. But I went back and heard that audio of what, uh, what David Cully was saying. And it almost seems like uh, Nick Casario. It, it don't seem like that they do was giving David Cully in the order. It seems it seems like uh, uh, Nick Casario and and the fat dude uh, uh, Romeo Cornell uh, uh, was having a conversation because David Cully has said uh, uh, he didn't even really even he. Uh, uh, it, it's like it clicked clicked into him. It wasn't like they was telling him to do. Uh, just go back and listen to that audio, man. And the last thing I would like to say that a lot of people don't bring up and. I don't want to go around the the whole racial issue, uh, 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 but you guys had a couple of racial topics today. I still say that we all knew that the Texans was going to hire a 
a black coach regardless. I don't know who it was going to be. It was going to be a black coach regardless because if you go back in time, they were trying to clean up their uh, image. We all knew this. And and I guess that this dude, uh, uh, Cully, Cully was the one that, you know, fell into their lap. Uh, but I still think the, uh, 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 the dude needs to be fired, man. Uh, and, you know, Nick Casario, to me, is part of the bl- – uh, uh, he's part of the blame too, man, because he went out there. He went out there and did this. He went out there and did this. He he deserves a lot of the blame. I don't, I really hate the fact that everybody is going at Easterby and everybody's going at Cully, but it seems like with Casario, be like, uh, you know, let's you know, let's give him some time. Come on, man. He, he, he just is culpable. That's all I have. I appreciate that. And you tweeted a good question. You said at Indy Kalu, you said you've never heard of a general manager. Uh, on the headset while you were playing, but honestly, at your position, would you be able to hear? And the answer is no, I wouldn't. But I just never heard of a general manager. And I've also said it and prefaced it saying, I haven't played in the NFL since 2008, so I know things have changed. Maybe that's the new norm. And if and if it is, then so well, be it. More power to The only that. thing I remembered, Mickey Loomis with the Saints – had a headset on, but he was wiretapped into the opposing team's locker room. Remember that? When that came out? He was trying to get some insight. Uh, two things real quick on the Texans this weekend. They will wear uh, their color rush unis this weekend, guys, so get excited for that. Color rush coming. And uh, Brooks Cabina said, according to the Texans news release, there will be a high-flying Frisbee dog performance during Sunday's halftime. So there's that. <laughs> Eddie, what you got, Eddie? Ooh, turn your radio down. Yeah, this, yeah, this whole Nick Casario thing, it's stupid. If you got a problem with Nick Casario being on the headset, you're an idiot. Flat out, straight out. Let me get this straight. He's been with the Patriots for 20 years. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Bill Belichick, arguably the best coach in the NFL. Tom Brady, the best quarterback in the NFL, arguably. Most successful, Definitely. So he's been under those two guys in that organization for 20 years. He comes over here because he's been part of that organization. He's got a head coach who's never coached a day in his stinking life, who's never been a head coach a a day in his life. And you got a problem that he's talking to that guy during the game? He did this with Josh McDaniels all the time. So you don't think he should come to Houston and talk to Mr. Never Head Coach of Dana's life? You're stupid. Okay, why would you hire Mr. Hold on, hold on, sharp guy. Hold on, sharp guy. Why would you hire if you're such a great general manager? If you're such, first of all, you're stupid enough to know that you can't talk and listen at the same time. Why would you hire? And I'm not going to call these people stupid who have a problem with it, but I absolutely will question it. If if it's such a big deal or if it's so important to talk to a head coach that's never coached before, then why do you hire that person in the first place? Why, why hire that person? Oh, I guess he does. He not. <laughs> he yeah, still talking. Yeah, and directly hire him. But, but I will say this: 
why hire that guy? Exactly. If you feel like as a general manager, I need to be on the headset with my head coach, you don't hire that person to be your head coach. And giving this guy the benefit of the doubt. Oh, he's in New England 20 years. Clearly he knows what he's doing. Well, you're 3-11 and with one of the worst rosters in the NFL having a historically bad season with a roster you built. Now, I'm not saying it can't get better. I'm not saying he can't improve things. But he certainly hasn't hit the ground running with all the great success in New England. He's well, no, no. no. I, see, and I'll, I'll take it a step further. I get what you're saying. Nick Casario, when I hear what Bill Belichick has to say about him, I get excited about it. But when I heard that a general manager was on the phone with the head coach, and if you're saying, hey, he's so great, he was on the phone with Josh McDaniel, he was around Tom. First of all, New England's success mainly came from Tom Brady. Like you're an idiot if you don't think so. If you don't, <laughs> yeah. if you don't watch what's going on there now and watch what uh, Tom Brady means to a new organization in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But no, I absolutely question why is a general manager on the phone with a head coach saying, "Hey, you might want to go for it here." Because my thought is, as a general manager, I don't hire that guy. Right, hire a coach who can make those calls. Yeah, I don't himself. hire someone who and I need to be on the headphone set with. Just like I said yesterday about being an NCO in the, in the military, if I if I give a duty to one of my soldiers and then I got to go and make sure that the, that it's done right, then I should have just went and done it myself. Or you gave the duty to the wrong soldier. Exactly. Quick timeout. We're going to catch up with Sean Merriman on the other side. You don't want to miss that in the trenches, only on Sports Talk 790. Come on. Welcome in, welcome back in the trenches. I'm Indy Kalu. He is Big Sarge of Big Sarge Sports. And like I mentioned, one of the baddest dudes. A guy, he, he's a little younger than me, but when I was in the league, I always appreciated what this young man did from afar, not just the way he approached the game. He probably also had one of the coldest, one of the coolest, one of the most original celebrations in the Lights Out celebration. Sean Merriman joining us here in the trenches. Big Sean, what's up? Indy Kalou and Brian Big Sarge. How are you today, brother? I'm good, man. How you guys doing? We are good. We are good. R r real quick, when I think of that Lights Out, you, you had the light switch tatted on your forearm too, right? Yeah, yeah, my uh, my sophomore year, man. After I knocked out four four kids in one game uh, in high school, my uh, I begged my mom to let me get this tattoo on my right forearm for two weeks, and she finally caved in. So um, it's been there, man, since I was sixteen. That, that that's that's cold. That, that that's been one of the coldest celebrations ever. I'm not going to judge you on getting a tattoo uh, as a sophomore in high school. You, you know, we, we're going we're going to slide past that one, Sean, and, and get right to it. All jokes aside, what are you doing now? Because you're doing something that's pretty interesting, and you've always been one of those guys, very physical, uh, all about the physicality, not just of that sport, but going on and taking it to another venue. Yeah, man, I, I actually started to train MMA uh, my second year in 2006 in the offseason. I just really wanted to get better with my hands and, and you know, being outside linebacker and pass rusher, man, you got to have these active and violent hands. Uh, so I just wanted to get better with my leverage and stuff like that. I started working with some of the biggest names in, um, in you know, MMA, you know, kind of fast forward that 15 years and um, or 14 years actually, and we launched Lights Out Extreme Fighting is now on Fubo Sports, Fubo TV. So if you guys don't have the app or don't have that streaming service, make sure you get it. Um, it's a bunch of, you know, nice sports and a bunch of great sports, but you can catch all of our past fights on uh, 
football, football sports and football TV. I, I want to make sure we plug that throughout this little five to ten minute interview, uh, Sean, because I think that's going to be very interesting and fun to watch. Real quick, serious question. As a guy that you're now in uh, MMA, you're now in this, uh, in this ring, what do you feel about Jake Paul, a YouTuber, knocking out Tyron Woodley, who was a respected UFC fighter? Like, does that damage the sport, in your opinion? Not really. I, I think that we all just need to understand what we're watching it for, right? Um, it's entertainment. Uh, whether you want to call it boxing or whether you say it's messed up the sport, uh, everybody who complained and said they wasn't going to watch ended up behind the pay-per-view, and I think that that's the, you know, the most important part. As far as Jake and, and Tyron, I know them both extremely well. But I was not shocked at the outcome. Uh, for one, Tyron taking a fight a couple weeks' notice. Uh, Jake is naturally, whether people like it or not, he's a better boxer. Um, and, you know, he's picking his, he's picking the right opponents. Now, you know, these are not guys walking off of the streets, but, you know, a lot of boxers have, you know, 20 and 30 amateur fights before they even turn pro, right? So, you know, with that being said, you know, this guy's fighting actual, actual champions in other sports, fighter, you know, boxers or not. And uh, and winning, Sean. I want to take you on the field for a second and talk about uh, Dallas Cowboys rookie linebacker Michael Parsons. Now, you are a former NFL defensive rookie of the year. Do you see any similarities in your uh, in him that that you had as well? You know, I've been watching him. Uh, Lavar Arrington, who played for the Washington Football Team, was a uh, like a big brother and mentor of mine. He, and he told me about Makai Parsons when he came out of uh, out of high school. So I watched his whole entire career. I'm not shocked at all what he's doing, actually. Um, with his capabilities and getting the opportunity to put, be in position and make plays, um, you know, we, we could be looking, you know, outside of injury. And I was one of those guys that after my, after my fourth year, I caught the injury bug and couldn't stay healthy. If this guy stays healthy, who knows what, what numbers he can put up or what he can do. Um, and, yes, there are a lot, a lot of similarities. Um, the only difference in him, I think I was a little bit more brute. Uh, a little bit more of a pass rusher, and I could cover if I had to, but this guy, you can just line up all over the field. He's just going to make plays anywhere. Speaking of brute, like I, I, you know, because I'm an older gentleman, so I've seen a lot of uh, NFL players, former NFL players, go from like playing in the NFL to boxing. But playing in the NFL and going to start MMA training, there, there's a huge difference in that. Even though you all, even though you played at the highest, and you all played at the highest of the highest when it comes to football, like there's a big difference, correct? It is, it is. But one thing about us, and, I, and I'll tell anybody, football players are the most disciplined people on the planet Earth, um, you know, because of you have to, right, because you have to, for those 60 minutes you're on the field, you gotta, you got to be in the game mentally. You can't be standing around the piles or one day you, you can't feel like not playing football because you can get hurt. Also, you know, guys training on the offseason, schedule time, showing up. On, so what, what makes us when the advantage that we have going into any sport, especially MMA, is that we come in disciplined and explosive and athletic. Anything else, if you want to learn jiu-jitsu or learn how to perfect your craft, you're going to have a head start. Greg Hardy is a, is a guy that, you know, I referenced that only been fighting for three or four years. and You know, he's fighting guys that have been, you know, training for 15-plus. You know, we just have the advantage if we take the sport seriously. Would you ever get in the ring and compete, or is your focus on training? No, I, I just train. Um, you know, I had, I had a couple of scheduled fights uh, starting in 2016. that just never happened. Uh, and the funny part is, when I retired in 2013, the money that I was requesting, you know, everybody looked at me crazy, right? Like, you know, your, your first fight, we're not paying that. And, you know, five years later, that, that's a, that's a, uh, the warm-up pay. The guys are getting expensive if you built a, you know, built an audience and built a brand. But I, I'm happy being on this side of Lights Out. And you actually, we got a, 
a few former NFL guys just fighting the lights out extreme fight now. Chris McCain being one. He was outside linebacker for and DN for the Chargers and um, the Colts in Miami. He's a three and zero amateur, and uh, you know if he keeps going, he can probably be champion. We got about three or four guys, and we're transitioning to lights out as well right now. I'm glad you mentioned that. How can I watch those guys fight? Yeah, so you can just watch it on Fubo. If you got a, if you get Fubo TV or Fubo Sports, um, most of those guys fought in our first three fights, and you know, over the next year, yeah, I'm going to be spending a lot of time. You'll know, get more athletes from other sports because the truth of the matter is, I mean, guys that have played in NFL or even big college football and only get a chance to play three or four years, they got a long career in the MMA space. So I, I try to get these guys a second opportunity to go and, and scrap a little bit. Uh, Sean, this weekend the Houston Texans will take on the Los Angeles Chargers here in Houston. I know that you are, uh, outside of being a former NFL player, you're still a big sports fan. You keep up with a lot, and you know you do some analyst work as well. Uh, are you surprised by what the the Chargers have done this year? And what have you seen of Justin Herbert? You know, Justin Herbert, for one, um, I think he if he keeps on his path, and I'm not talking about just numbers, he has an opportunity to be an all time great. Um, and I know it's early saying that I don't like to crown guys early because you got a long career. I mean, you know, he can come out next year. So I was thinking it up for as far as we know. But, you know, from what I've seen and being around him, watching him up close and being there at the games, you know, just watching his interaction with the team and also his physical capabilities and what he can do on Sunday, he has that opportunity. And I, I played with Phillip Rivers um, for all those years. And uh, they, they to pass the torch to Justin Herbert, I think that they – with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucked up in the best situation they possibly could. As far as the Chargers, man, they just, it just, they have to show up, right? They have to show up because when they show up, it's very few teams, if any, can beat them in the National Football League. They've, they've shown that, you know, not give Dallas a game for penalties, uh, you know, not, not falling short, you know, a couple, couple inches and, and, and having something to happen. I mean, they easily should have, you know, should have won three or four games this year and be sitting around the top of the division. But here we are, right? You playing a, a, a Houston Texas team that's coming in, uh, that's dangerous because they don't have much to lose, right? They they are, uh, they have they're dangerous. Sometimes those are the hardest, the scariest teams to play. They just want to upset what you got going on, and they have an opportunity. So the Chargers got to show up and be who they are. I love seeing my former uh, teammates, former NFL colleagues have that entrepreneurial spirit, have life after football. You've been doing a great job continuing to brand yourself. Couple, What's your days like now? So as You're not just training. You're obviously a businessman. You're jumping on shows to promote uh, your, your business. Like, What are your days like nowadays, Sean? Yeah, I feel I'm in the gym six days a week, mm. you know, around 6, 630. I'm in the gym. And uh, after that, man, I, I really started to uh, – I'm talking to venues all over the country. We're actually um, talking to a big uh, new space down in uh, – uh, San Antonio. We're looking at Houston right now too to bring Lights Out Extreme fighting down there. Uh, we, we, you know, now we're growing at a pace with a lot of viewership and stuff like that. So it's it's nonstop to be quite honest um, on this side. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful and I'm grateful to be in this position because it was a, kind of a dream and something I put together. Um, you know, when I was a kid and just followed through with it. Now, you know, I just love what I do. 
you know what we're here in houston so if you do open up shop in houston make sure you holler at us so we can promote the heck out of it great catching up with you sean keep up the hard work and good job with everything you've accomplished off the field yeah. brother Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, Sean Merriman joining us to talk about Lights Out XF. You can get that on the FUBO, not FUBU. Yeah. Not for us, by us. Yeah. FUBO Sports Network. So check that out. So Why you didn't get a cool, cool tattoo or something like that when you was in high school? Because my parents would have ripped that thing. They, they would have literally carved it off my arm. If you got one now, they'd probably do it. <laughs> well, I have them, but I still cover them up when I go. <laughs> they know. Yeah. Quick timeout. One more segment to go in the trenches. Only on Sports Talk. 790. Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no What such in the world Santa. have you selected here, Jacob? You, you got some explaining to do. You never heard this song before? Big Sarge requested it. So. Oh, okay, okay. I was giving you a chance to. You know, you got to take the segment. Uh, you just threw me off my game. How I'm not it? hype. I'm not crunk. I'm not. It sounds like a game, a joke. Is this Willie Nelson? I don't know who it is, but this is a real song, and the video is even better. Like, it's amazing. Indy, this is like. You've never. This you know is what? one of the staples of Christmas. I'm going to have to put on the Nick Casario headset so I can hear what y'all are saying <laughs> and overrule the, 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 the decision. Run over by a reindeer. I can't believe you never sung this so you're song. talking about killing a grandma to celebrate Christmas. You can say that. Have you ever listened to the lyrics to the songs you bump back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they don't disguise themselves as Christmas songs. We listened to DMX the other day and Rudolph. Yeah, and he was talking about Rudolph and how gangster and cold Rudolph was. Rudolph was the man. All right. Or the reindeer. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to have to call Nick Casario and say, hey, get me a headset. Give me a headset. One of the special headsets yeah. that go directly to. Those special non-general manager headsets. I, it just, that that makes me so. I'm going to have to call some of my guys that are still in it. Yeah. And I, Because like I said, I'll be the first one to admit. Since 2008, things may have changed, but I'm still not comfortable with. And, and if you're, if your rebuttal, and again, we're only focused. I'm only. I can't speak for everyone else. I'm only focused on my general manager having a headset during the game. And if the thought is, well, Cully needs his direction. Well, then you hire the. Then your first mistake was hiring the wrong head coach. If you feel like you need to be on the headset with him, and don't bring up Bill Belichick did it. When he was with Bill Belichick, he was not the general manager. Like right. Bill Belichick said, hey, these are your duties. I want you to help with film study. I want you to help with evaluating college players from the FCS, not from the FBS. I want during the games for you to help manage the flow of the game when talking to my offensive coordinator. Like Bill Belichick didn't have him talking directly to him. So I get that. And that's why you should be excited that he's moved up to being a general manager because Bill Belichick put him in a position where he worked every facet of the team. Yeah. Like, like Nick, I would, I would actually be more excited about Nick Casario if they brought him in and cleaned everybody else out. Yeah. Every, like Jack East would be gone. Everybody else out and said, Nick Casario, with what you've learned, let's see what a, what it translates to as a general manager in the NFL. And I would even, uh, you know, I would even say this, Indy, that if he's on the headphones and he's talking to offensive coordinator Tim Kelly, or if he's talking to defensive coordinator Lovey Smith, 
I, I could go with that a little bit more than I can talking to the head coach. Because if that's what you're used to do, being able to, you know, sitting in that box and looking out and seeing different types of things that's going on, you got a better view from up top, and then you radio that down, or you tell somebody, hey, make sure you, that, that Tim knows that there's a robber right there, blase this and blase that. You know, I'm just throwing something right, out right. there. But that would have been better to me. I just don't think that your head coach, the person you put in charge to make – Game time decision. You should be in his ear trying to tell him what to do. Because here's the thing, Indy. Now, when you go to evaluate him at the end of the season, do you think back to the times you told him to do this in game and he didn't? Oh, so now I got a, a, a coach who's insubordinate. Or with all these bad decisions that, you, you know, we're hearing Cully made. Okay, did he make them? <laughs> or did he ask the guy upstairs? So I, I don't know. I just don't feel comfortable He needs with to make it. a statement. And the whole Bill Belichick did it. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever play. When Tom Brady left the New England Patriots, they did not go to the playoffs. They had a 20-year run where they were going to the playoffs and or winning Super Bowls. They, keep, keep this in mind for all the people, oh, he did in New England. When Tom Brady left, they did not make it to the playoffs. The team Tom Brady went to the year before, they didn't make it to the playoffs, and they won the Super Bowl. Yes, yeah. they added Gronkowski. Yes, they added. But, like, this whole, oh, it was done in New England. Well, you go get me Tom Brady and bring him here. Then Nick Casario could stay on the headphones and talk to whoever he wants. He needs to make a statement, too. Bill, what's going on, Bill? Oh, not much. I think y'all summed up in a, in a bunch of words what it, my feelings is. And as Big Sark says, especially in the military, there's a chain of command. You do your job, you assign people to do their jobs, and people assign you to do a job. Nick Casario selects people. He should have assigned them a job, and he should stay out of their way because if they can't do it, he should have never had it. And the only thing I can talk from is my experience is I've been a mid-level manager. And you have your meeting, you tell your people what, what you want them to do, you give them the tools, and then you have your meeting the next week. And I've been asked a couple of times, oh, you don't seem to do anything here. No. <laughs> my job is to make sure that my people have everything they need to do. And the second part is to keep you off their asses. Well said. Anybody above me has no reason to be talking to the people who work for me. I'm with you. And when you do a good job in that position, it does look like th things are getting done, and it looks like you're not doing anything yep. because you've delegated to the correct President people. Bush did it all the time. W. Not sure where that came from. But before we go, before your <laughs> last show, before Christmas, what's the, the perfect Christmas gift for Big Sarge? Material. I want a material. Don't say, hey, peace on earth. I don't oh, want that oh. crap. I, I, I want like the perfect Rolex, gift for yeah. me: a $250 gift card. Really? Yeah, so I can go to Nike Outlet and ball out with $250 in the Nike Outlet Indy. Oh, I'm in there like I'm making it rain. I'm everywhere. I'm like, yeah, give me them and give me that and really? give me that. Give me two of those. You know what? I don't even need that, but give it to me. Nowadays, $250 will get you say, one pair. I was going to say, unfortunately. $250 in the Nike store get you a couple pairs of shorts and a t shirt. No, 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 no. Y'all talk to the Nike to, store. Yeah. I'm talking about the Nike Outlet clearance specifically out in Pasadena. I'm out there. Indy, they got shirts in there that be like $4.99. I get shorts. In there for nine nine nine. I'm balling. Out I will say socks. this: your, your gear is on point, and you're you're always finding those deals. But here's the thing: the gas and time you spend driving around finding all that, 
it all evens out. It's a straight shot for me from where I live. But I, you be all over the place. You texted me once from San Marcos. No, I wasn't in San Marcos. Oh, San Marcos. I was in Texas City. Hey, but oh, San Marcos does have a that, that outlet in uh -huh. San Marcos. That that's legit. You gotta go there at least once. This jacket right here, you see, it says "Coming to America." And right? I love Wisconsin. Yeah. What the heck is that? I'll tell you after after we get off here. Anyway, this jacket, Nike Outlet, normally one fifty, got it for twenty four ninety nine. That's strong. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I know how to do it. All right, that that will do for us. Very, Merry Christmas very, to Merry you and Jacob and we won't all the listeners. Yeah. Yes, so appreciate that. I will be back, God willing, same time. Same. <laughs> if Nick Casario wasn't listening to the show, uh, same time, same place tomorrow in the trenches, only on Sports Talk Seven Ninety. <laughs>